When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket, a titanic day for England in the second day of the Aegeus Bowl third test and really piling on the pressure England with that mammoth score, 583 for eight declared and then getting three quick wickets, three Pakistani wickets in the evening. What an amazing day for well, particularly for Zach Crawley, uh, extraordinary performance, 267, and uh, you know, the highest, the tenth highest uh, score by an England batsman, one of the highest scores ever by a 22-year-old. I think only one 22-year-old has made more runs for England. That was about 150 years ago, or you know, that's, a, that's a joke, but it was a long time ago. And and then uh, this uh, performance by Jimmy as well at the end of the at the day as well, really rubbing it all in. So. Well, if you were a Pakistani, you'd be sort of really, really quite upset, I think, at the end of today. Absolutely steamrolled Pakistan. I think the signs were there yesterday. England did a lot of damage to Pakistan yesterday on, on that first day. England 127 for four. Then that partnership between Crawley and Butler just took the game away from Pakistan. And actually, they bowled really well first up this morning. There were some interruptions for, for bad weather, but they bowled really well and they restricted England... The new ball was still fairly new and they went past the outside edge you know, many occasions. They didn't find the outside edge and then England just ground them down remorselessly. I suppose one question might be uh, tonight, yours: why didn't England declare earlier? They seemed to be sort of pottering along a bit in that final session and they only had 10.5 overs at Pakistan. Who knows what would have happened if they'd had 20, 25 overs at them. But we might want to take listeners back to Adelaide 2006 when England declared on 551 for six against Australia and lost the match. Sometimes you can never be too careful. Yeah, and it's good that you brought up that game. I mean, that was a bit of an outlier, really. And, And I think the only person who believed that Australia could win that game in the entire ground on the fourth day was Shane Warne, mm. uh, or in the fifth morning rather, and he he won the the match for Australia. Really, it's funny. Funnily enough, when 
I was writing a book uh, a few years ago about the great rivalry between England and Australia, and I had to pick 10 games to pick to, to sort of highlight the great rivalry from you know 1882 onwards. And uh, Shane Warne came up to me one day and he said, what, what, what game did you pick then? What are the games you picked to, to, to really kind of identify the, the great rivalry? And I said, I told him the list from 1882 onwards. And he said, what, you haven't included 2006-7 Adelaide? That's my finest hour. And uh, that, that match you're referring to. And, of course, he took those four wickets and totally mesmerised England on that last day and, and Australia won the match. But I don't think that's going to happen. And I don't think that was in Joe Root's mind this time. Of course, he didn't play in that test, although he may have watched it on telly. And I think, actually, that there is this sort of compulsion to, yeah, as you say, not sort of take any risks and pile the pressure on. And also, maybe there's this thing about if we have 10 overs with the new ball or 12 overs with the new ball tonight it'll still be nice and hard and, and fr- fresh and you know ju- fairly sort of newish in the morning whereas if you bowl 20 overs with it there's a sort of bit of a myth feeling that it won't be as as, as useful as valuable so maybe there's a little bit of that thinking as well but mm. i think it's flawed you know i think you definitely want you want your three seamers to have five or six overs each i would have thought and so that's 18 overs isn't it so yeah. you know that's that's the sort of an hour and twenty minutes is what I would have ideally had. But you know the the one thing that that, that against that I suppose is that you feel um, you know the openers if they're only going to go and bat for ten overs they've got nothing to gain and a lot to lose. Whereas at least if you've given them eighteen overs they can start to get their innings going a bit. Yeah, I'm actually with Joe Root on this. I I think you should grind teams down. I think you should take those easy runs that are on offer in a situation like that. Teams actually on their knees as a, a bowling and a fielding side and you just keep on going and mm. just take those easy 40 runs that come your way mm. and, and, and really make it tough. Because, of course, of course, the other thing as well, if there's a bit of weather around on the last three days... England you know, might need all the uh, they might need to enforce the follow on so you mm. want to increase that um, target as well for Pakistan and that's at 384 I remember I'm distinct I can I can still sort of feel the emotion now and still see it and I can I can know exactly where I was watching it when England walked off at 551 for six declared in Adelaide I was I was shouting at my television don't declare don't declare keep going keep going the runs the runs are <laughs> I coming. was actually there you know yeah. I was at that game well what and... did it feel like when you were oh, there did, well, did you think so they should declare or not well I I was quite surprised I must say and I remember I was lying sort of Declining on the bank at the Adelaide Oval in the sun. Actually, I was working for radio, but I was that was a slot when I wasn't commentating. And suddenly they walked off, and I did think at the time, mm, you know, they got Ricky Ponting. And in fact, I was also on the boundary when Ashley Giles dropped Ponting on about twenty at deep mm. square leg, and uh, and that was a bad moment as well, uh, which uh, costing them about one hundred and fifty runs or something. So, yeah, I mean, that's uh, sort of revisiting the, the rather uh, sad past. Now this England side uh, look a lot more uh, robust with the addition of, of Zach Crawley. I mean, I suppose one shouldn't suddenly judge a team by, by one beginnings, but it was a hugely impressive performance. And what I particularly liked about it was the fact that uh, he just kept going. I mean, to, to echo your point about being ruthless and piling up big scores, you know, at various landmark points in his innings, 100, 150, 200, he just got his head down again. He didn't suddenly, he didn't get 
one of those, you know, maiden test hundreds where you get a hundred and then you hit one boundary and then you sky one up in the air, so you're out for mm. 104. There's a lot of people who've made runs like that, made hundreds like that, especially early on in their careers. But he just kept grinding out, and it wasn't a grind either. It, you know, it was fluent, it was uh, attractive, it was imposing, it was elegant, it was had a, a, a broad repertoire, back foot, front foot. Uh, you know, both sides of the wicket, sometimes shimmying down the pitch and picking the bowlers up over Dickman wicket towards the end, a bit more uh, expansion for perhaps his last 50 runs. But it, to outscore Joss Butler as well, mm. as easily as he did, uh, it, it says it says a huge amount for, for his ability and his application. Yeah, he played, he played superbly. I, I mean, the thing that really struck me about it was, was how well, how crisply he hit the ball, how well he timed it off both front foot and back foot and you know there was variation as well he scored all around you know, there's reverse sweeping I know you've got that license you know when you've got a lot of runs behind you've got that confidence but it was it was a wonderful innings and uh, well if he, if he can take it on from here and really you know develop his career you know what, what an excellent player England have got at the the top of the order they'd be desperately looking for sort of quality mm. top order players I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm one of those people that's always a bit cautious you know you want you want to follow it up now, don't you? With mm. you know a couple of other really sort of tough hundreds in difficult situations, and, and really make it work for your team. You know, I don't know, say in a Test match in India or against India away, something like that, or an Ashes hundred in Australia. You know, to really sort of stamp your mark. Yeah, on I, the but game. I think I think he's the sort of person who will do that. I mean, if you look at his sort of track record for. Uh, the the devotion he's put in, you know, he's yeah. gone to Australia and worked Definitely. with a leading coach called Noddy Holder there. He's been to India and done mm. clinics at uh, spin academies. You know, he's done a lot of work on his fitness. Uh, Rob Key was telling me today, who Rob Key's had a big influence on him. Rob Key was telling me today, he spends a huge amount of time skipping, and that is an interesting point because uh, th- now we, sh- we should bring in at this point, we should bring in Andrew Sampson, who's been noticeable by his absence on TMS this summer, but. The reason being, of course, that he can't travel from South Africa where he's based. But he's been keeping a keen eye on events in England. And he's got some interesting things to say about Zach Crawley and his feet. Yeah, well, one of the interesting things is, you know, Zach Crawley's uh, six foot five, according to Wikipedia. Um, And generally, the great batsmen are quite short, you know, if you think of your Bradmans and your Laras and your Tindulkas. So... Been, I've been looking at um, high scores by players who are tall, basically. So, players six foot four and taller. Uh, Kevin Peterson um, made two hundred and twenty-seven as his high score, but the highest by a player that tall before today um, is Clive Lloyd. Two hundred and forty-two not out was his highest test score. So, you know, as, as he's certainly in the in the record books as a, as a tall player making a big score. The tallest player that I can find who's made a triple century in Test cricket is Inzamamul Huck, who was three twenty nine was his highest Test score, and he was six foot three. So Crawley might be on course to be passing that as well. And the other interesting aspect of Crawley's uh, career is that he started his career. I was following all these stats of him making his highest score in each of his first five Test innings, which is fairly rare. There's a, there's a few players who've done six. Uh, so he made a high score in each of his first five test innings, and then earlier this summer he beat that again in his eighth test innings when he made 76. So this is the seventh time in his 12 innings in his test career where he's made his highest test score. I suspect he might be waiting a while before he makes his highest test score for the eighth time, though. <laughs> That's great. 
So Andrew Sampson there picking up on some interesting facts about uh, Crawley. The fact that he keeps extending his highest test score, though he's going to struggle to extend uh, his highest test score now and get even more in the next innings that he plays for England. But I think also that the fact that you know a tall player that, that we've sort of looked at there, the, the tall players in the game don't tend to be the ones that score the massive amounts of runs. In fact, I've looked at the top 50 test match run scorers in history and only two of them are extremely tall and that is Kevin Peterson and Clyde Lloyd both of them six foot four and Clyde Lloyd who made a 242 he has the highest score by a six foot four inch person but now Crawley's gone one better than that he's got the highest test score by a six foot four inch although he's actually six foot five so he's even a bit taller than Clyde Lloyd but why is it that tall players tend not to make the mountains of runs I think it's because and, and in, this is in test cricket. Of course, in one-day cricket, the Chris Gales of this world are, you know, almost uh, out on their own. But uh, it, it does, it's a different matter playing test cricket, I think, because you, I, I think basically you have to be a bit more nimble. You can't just stride up the pitch and belt everything out of the park, which in one-day cricket you can. And actually, long levers, stability, you know, a big stable base and, and sort of audaciousness is the thing that makes a one-day player, whereas and power, of course. Whereas in Test cricket, you've got to be a bit more versatile, a bit more nimble. You've got to be able to play off the back foot. You might get targeted by short bowling, so you can't just stride up the pitch and hit everything on the up. The ball does something. The conditions change. You know, So you have to be more dexterous as a player. And I think in the past, uh, tall players have been a bit heavy-footed and therefore not as mobile at the crease. You know, a lot of the top batsmen, the greats, batsmen, the Pontings and the Tendulkas and Laras and people like that, they talk about dancing feet. And although this sounds like a generalisation, most really tall batsmen are not very dancey. They're not very sprightly at the crease. Mm. Yeah, well, that sort of develops on the point we were, we were making last night, wasn't it, about you know, the number of tall players that have been successful at, at Tesla. And when we talk about tall, I mean, I, I've had a bit of interaction on social media today, and someone said, you know, with Joe Root's six foot, I don't class that. I, I, no, I don't I agree. class that as tall. Tall mm. to me is yeah, six four, six five, six six, yeah. six seven. That's that sort of height. By the way, um, who is the tallest person who's made a double hundred? And you were probably at this match oh, not so long oh. ago. Oh, you you put me right on the spot there. That that's that's a good question. Let let me let me think, think about, about it, it while I while I talk. Uh, one thing we should say, of course, as well. And you you mentioned Zach Crawley. And what's almost gone unnoticed? Well, not totally unnoticed, but you know, it's it's obviously he's obviously taken a, a back seat. Is Josh Butler making his highest first class score? And it was the way he went about it as well. The fact that he went about three hours without scoring a boundary. He batted for three hundred. And eleven balls. I mean, mm. that is a lot for for someone like Joss Butler. Although I think I sense the signs of, of a, a sort of different approach to his batting in that first innings in the first Test match at Manchester, where he only made thirty eight, and he but he batted superbly in that morning session. It really was top class, sort of tight defensive batting. Really, it's not something you necessarily associate with Joss Butler. And I think he's he's developed that mm. um, in, in this innings, and he and he's, he looked he looked really good. I thought, and uh, I mean, actually, bizarrely, both of them after playing these magnificent innings, both got out to extremely tame dismissals. <laughs> but that can happen, you know. Your, your job is done. Mm. Yeah, I'm so proud of Joss Butler. Actually, I, I mean, he's the, the loveliest guy, and 
he's such a, a hard worker and he's so inspiring and and you know when you've got that amount of talent and you've got that amount of modesty as well he's so sort of de- self-deprecating you know there must be times when he sort of looks inwardly at himself and goes well why am I not I, I have got this talent but why am I not really producing it at test level have I am I able to am I good enough you know have I really got the the skills the the dedication the mental application to to make big runs at test level or am I always going to be someone who plays these fancy cameos and and won test 100 a couple of years ago and I think he he came of age today and you're right there's been a good progression over the last couple of uh, test matches maybe three or four test matches where he's just applied little tiny tinkerings to his uh, method just tweaked a few little things uh, which you know you need to have the confidence in your um, ambition don't you to, to do that you could just say well look it's got me to this stage what I how I do it and why should I change you know I'm good enough but he wants to be even better and uh, faith in the selectors has helped obviously you know to give him that time to give him that sort of self-awareness and you know a sort of sense of ambition that, that he's he is capable of more and he's proved it and that that really is an immense innings by him and he probably helped by having a, a very fluent partner at the other end which allowed him to just play his natural way or his, his in a way almost his unnatural way he just he just batted um without taking too many risks at all and just got got into his innings that must have helped but in fact interestingly Crawley said that having Butler at the other end was a massive help to him too because he's such a calm uh, you know, encouraging person to have at the other end, and just the loveliest guy to to have achieved that record stand with. Yeah, they put on three hundred and fifty nine. Now, I think I've got an answer. Well, I have got an answer to yeah, your question. Well, then. I've got a response to your question. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's the answer to your question. How about Graham Smith? Incorrect. Oh no. Okay. Uh, well, you know, he, he has made a couple of double hundreds. Yeah, and he's he not that tall, tall, actually. No, he's, know, not, he's, he's not. He's six foot two. I've looked up a lot okay. of heights of players today, and uh, on, he's six p- foot two. Jason p- Holder. Jason Holder, Holder is six foot, I think, seven. I think he's six foot seven. Yeah. And he made a double hundred against England, of course, uh, a year or two ago, didn't he? Uh, and, I mean, you know, in a way, he's a bit of an outlier as well because he's not actually a frontline batsman. He's, mm. he's mere, really more of a bowler. But he will he holds the the ex- excellent record of being the tallest person to have scored a double hundred. And I, I suggest that Zach Crawley's probably the second tallest because England's tallest batsman was Tony Gregg. Uh, and he never made a double, so you know uh, is that Crawley is going to uh, start? He's already established a number of records. Another one would be <laughs> the first Englishman whose name begins with Z to make a Test hundred as well. The list goes on. It's a yeah. it's a statistician's delight. Yeah, of course, Pakistan have got their a, a double uh, hundred maker beginning with Z. The great yeah, your, Zahir your favourite man from Gloucestershire. He was such a wonderful player he was. to watch. Talking about Pakistan's uh, batsmen, though, and their batting, it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, it happened to Joe Root yesterday. You know, that we had that big partnership between Crawley and Butler. Joe Root got an absolute perler yesterday to dismiss him. And both um, Shan Masood and Abid Ali got excellent balls from Jimmy Anderson. Actually, Barbara Zam got a pretty good one as well uh, just before the close. And so Jimmy Anderson, you know, we 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 started on uh, on Crawley and Butler. We talked a lot about Crawley and and Butler, but Anderson's right in the frame again. You know, he's almost like stealing the headlines hmm. from them at the end of the day. Three wickets. He's up to five hundred ninety-six Test match wickets. 
There are 17 available in this game. He needs four of them to go to 600. I wonder whether it's going to be tomorrow, whether it's going to be Monday, Tuesday, or whether it's going to be, I don't know, sometime yeah. sometime next year. <laughs> who, who knows where, who knows when. It's an amazing story. It, it, it slightly irritates me, actually, because I, I was going to sign a... Uh, or try and do a deal to actually make a documentary about Jimmy leading up to his 600th wicket, which I thought he might get in India in February or March. And so we got a couple of months to to spend a bit of time with him. Not that he's agreed to this, by the way, but that was my idea. Uh, And, uh, you know, now he's going to probably get it in this (laughs) test. So it's too late. But um, what a remarkable cricketer. And, um, you know, I felt for Pakistan a little bit because actually they, as you said at the start, they did bowl pretty well. And there's a bit in that pitch. And they, on another day, England could have been bowled out of 350 or so. But, uh, you know, the ball whistled past the edge and a few edges didn't go to hand and so on. And, and But to let Jimmy loose with 580 runs on the ball, 10 overs mm-hmm. to bowl, and brand, brand new dark red uh, dukes in his hand and a little bit of sort of slightly fading light and slightly nervous mm. batsman. It's Rottweiler's a nervous postman, isn't it? And yeah. he had three of them for breakfast. Yeah, not easy. And I, and I was thinking, actually, just as we were moving towards the close of play, you know, England got all these runs. He's, we've seen Crawling Butler get big hundreds. What about Barbara Zam? Could he be the man for Pakistan? You're on the third day to, to really sort of stamp his authority on the test match. But no, it was umpire's call on impact. I don't mind that so much, actually. It's umpire's call on stumps. So you start to think, well, not quite so sure. But it was, you know, it was it was splattering into the, the top of, of middle and off. But umpire's call for impact, fair enough. He was he was given out and he looked stuffed as well. So an absolutely uh, perfectly uh, fair decision. Another one uh, from umpire Goff, who's, who's been, his decision-making is, has been excellent. So it, Pakistan... Under pressure, I think it's fair to say. Well, I think that's an understatement, really. And, and England, as long as the weather holds or someone plays spectacularly well, uh, you, you know, you can see England going on to close out this match and win the series 2-0 and go above Australia in the World Test Championship. But, um, you know, there's lots to develop before uh, that comes to, you know, its, its finality and, we, you know, we see who is going to compete in the final. But uh, England... Uh, you know, two fantastic days for them and I just imagine Pakistan in their hotel bubble uh, this evening they've been here a long time a very very dispiriting a couple of days you do wonder about the damage done by that last day at Old Trafford some of the self-belief that might well have been sucked out of Pakistan yeah well we did say that at the time actually and and it's certainly coming to to bear now uh, what an amazing day for England I think that's one of the best days cricket England have had you know complete cricket is what you'd call that they hardly lost a wicket until a bit of a flurry towards the end that mammoth stand a record-breaking individual score somebody getting their second test hundred a long-awaited hundred as well and a a very elegant one and then the the master of swing and seam getting three wickets at the end of the day Pakistan reeling uh, still needing another 360 or even more than that to even save the follow-on so it's a massive performance a steamrolling performance by England poor old Pakistan you can only feel a little bit of sympathy for them but not that much we want to see England win this game and I think they will anyway thanks for listening we'll be back with you tomorrow night
Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.